Hello and welcome back to the next episode of the Forgotten Football Club's podcast. I'm your host, as per usual, Rory Bryce, and I'm joined as usual by Philip O'Rourke. What's up, Rory? Good to be back. And uh, we really are uh, just we're going around the world at this stage, aren't we? Um, and it's absolutely brilliant. Yeah, we are indeed. Um, I was checking earlier on today as well. Just you know, I've got that spreadsheet. I like to keep organised. Um, with everything that we're doing and we're absolutely churning through episodes at the moment we're actually coming into the kind of last stretch if you like of the original run of clubs from the book so um, not too long until we'll be reaching the end of that side of things but uh, today we are going to be covering a club that we've both been excited to cover for quite some time uh, for different reasons which we'll go on to and to help us chat through that we have with us a very special guest Maroon Mafood who is a researcher, a reporter, and a graphic designer for the Lebanese Football Association. Maroon, it's an absolute pleasure to have you on. How are you? It's my pleasure also. Hello, Rory. Hello, Philip. What's up, man? Delighted to have you on. Um, If anybody's read the book, they obviously know that uh, I interviewed Maroon for uh, the chapter. Rory, what what is the club that we're covering today? The club that we're going to be covering today is Al Nada SC. Uh, we've already had this discussion off air about the the pronunciation. The the H sound uh, doesn't exist in English, particularly in Scots English, where we we barely have any letters anyway. Uh, Maroon, why don't you give us a correct pronunciation of the team so we're not doing them an injustice? Uh, the club's name is Al Nada, uh, which means uh, Renaissance. Renaissance, uh, fantastic, yeah. fantastic. I like it. I like it. Um, yeah. Uh, th- this this is a, this was a great chapter in the book, and, and it was a great club to um to pick. Again, we'll get on to the different reasons. I'm, I'm trying not to jump ahead of myself. I've been really excited for this episode for a while. Before we jump right into things, um, Maroon, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and and your role within the Lebanese Football Association? It's Sounds like an absolutely fascinating role to have and one that I'm sure a lot of our listeners are are quite jealous of working for your your national FA. Yeah, it's uh, actually quite a pleasure and a privilege to work and uh, to be able to work and get a living from football alone. Uh, And now I'm working with the Lebanese FA. I'm following up with some national teams, uh, especially the women's national teams. Also, I'm trying to help with the statistics and archives, as you all know, uh, while also working a bit with the media team and the graphics. So I'm trying to be then and there whenever uh, anybody needs me inside the FA. Also, we're working on some separate projects uh, to develop uh, uh, the football at our uh, country. So... uh, yeah, it's a very pleasure, and I hope everybody who's working in football gets a chance to work with their FA because it's really, really a very good, very big pleasure for someone to work on that role. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like it's all go. The the amount of projects you've done, you've just mentioned, absolutely fascinating things as well. Uh, working with archives, seeing all that history the media team on all these projects with the women's team and, and trying to grow football in the country. Really, really, really fascinating, man. I'm sure you know yourself. You're a lucky guy. I'm, I, for one, am very jealous. I'm sure Phil's jealous. You can see the big <laughs> smile on your face. So it's something you're obviously very, very proud of. And, and that's why we wanted you to come on the show, man. Um, it's just absolutely Thank fantastic. Uh, but also, and, and most importantly for this episode, you're the person that, that Phil interviewed for the, the Al Nada chapter on the book. Uh, and you're a bit of an expert on them, so 
what I'm going to do is I'm going to sit back and let you guys talk and bounce off each other for a wee bit just about the team. So why don't you choose between yourself who's going to kick off? Phil, should we let Maroon do the honours? We will need, yeah. Why not? Yeah. So Maroon, why don't you start off? You tell us a little bit about Alnada SC. Uh, so Anahda uh, is one of the pioneer clubs in uh, Lebanon. Uh, they were uh, a, a club that was uh, available since 1926, which means like roughly eight years before uh, the start of the Lebanese Football Association, uh, which is uh, remarkable that at first Anahda was opposing a creation of an association or federation at that time. But uh, they later changed their mind uh, in 1933, and they were part of a big meeting that has 13 clubs. They uh, uh, 13 representatives of each club held a meeting at uh, the president, the eventual president of that association in 93, to uh, elect uh, an association, and those clubs are uh, some uh, have joined uh, the league. Some others didn't join the league. They didn't play football, but they were one of the founding clubs of the of the association. And the Nahda has a very particular uh, place in football in Lebanese football because they were the first uh, winners of uh, the league in 1994. They were the first uh, winners of the FA Cup in 1937-38. Also, they were the first. Uh, a club to win the double in uh, 46-47 if I'm not mistaken mm-hmm. so uh, which is also interesting about the club that their span at the top flight is very very short they stayed from like 33 to 56 and then they disappeared they never played at, uh, at the top flight uh, after 56 uh, they were got relegated in a playoff against uh, Al-Hikmi or Sages which can be uh, translated in, in English into wisdom, wisdom FC. So, Sages or Hekme, they are now still in the first division and they have yet to win the title themselves. Nahda are five times uh, winners of the league, four times of the FA Cup. And uh, uh, it's very interesting the run of Nahda because at that time, I don't know if you know, but uh, Syria, Palestine, and Lebanon had the same FA, which was held in Beirut. Oh. At the start, I mean, thirty-three, the FIFA said that there were no need to have three separate FA. Wow. So the Lebanese FA was in charge to uh, to do leagues in, uh, in Syria, also in Palestine, but they were too lazy to do what they... Uh, they, they barely made any league uh, events in Lebanon. So uh, eventually the Syrians and the Palestinians demanded their own FA. The, Syria were, was granted their FA, while Palestine didn't because of the whole Palestine-Israeli conflict. Even though Lebanon uh, was Mr. Khalil Hilmi made a very impeccable uh, speech in 1941 in uh, FIFA headquarters in Zurich, to tell them that uh, to defend the right of the Palestinians to have their own FA. They eventually had their own FA in in 1998, which is very recent. 
Yeah. But uh, they were uh, they played uh, in multiple Arab competitions and uh, multiple friendlies. Uh, uh, returning to Al Nahda, uh, and, and near the 1940s, after the inception of uh, of the league and uh, Al Nahda and uh, AUB, which is the American University of Beirut, which is an university had the team varsity team that was one of the best in Lebanon. Also, they were the be two best teams at that, that time in the 30s and 40s. Uh, AUB and uh, varsity and uh, another so uh, there was uh, an ad administrator in the club called Khalil Hilmi uh, the same one that we talked about previously about in Palestine issue mm. uh, had a conflict with the uh, board of another so he decided to uh, to jump and create his own club he did it for two years he called it uh, Hilmi Sport uh, which is uh, and they won the FA Cup. They didn't win the league. Uh, and uh, he he was very wealthy, so he used to bring teams from abroad to play in Lebanon. So they faced uh, Beirut, uh, a national team called Beirut 11, which uh, consists of players that are playing inside Beirut, who are uh, effectively the national team. They are the same players, but they represent only the clubs of Beirut. And uh, they played against uh, clubs uh, that we all know now, uh, Club uh, 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 Cluj in uh, Romania. Yes. Uh, at that time, they were called TAC. It was the first uh, international game for Lebanese uh, national team. They, they were played against Admira Vienna in two games. Uh, I have a very good picture from that game also that we can share. Yeah, we, we can't wait to see the pictures you mentioned about them, obviously, off air. Um, we're really looking forward to see them. And any pictures that you do have, please send them over. Um, we're going to add them to our Twitter so that we can, you know, show the people what you wanted to show us and, and show all of our followers what these were like because it's it's not often that you're able to find these photos. And I know, obviously, working within the archive, you'll, you'll have access to them, which is fantastic, but even trying to find photos online of, of specific and well-known clubs from that era is very, very, very difficult. So, you know, it'd be absolutely amazing to see them, man. Uh, and thank you so much for sharing them. The, um, yeah. yeah, just on that point, uh, out of the 50 clubs in the book, there was two clubs I couldn't find to crest to. Uh, one was uh, Jewish Guild of South Africa, and the other one was Al Nada. I could never find the crest of them. Is there a reason for that? Did they? Did they? I assume they had a crest because they had colours. I know that they had a nickname. They were called uh, the Black Devils. Um, and as you mentioned already, quite a successful team in Lebanese football. They were the first Lebanese football team, um, winning the league five times, the cup four times. Um, so what, what do you have access to? What does their crest look like? Do you have a picture of it? No. <laughs> Uh, I think I have uh, pictures of uh, players wearing, yeah. uh, but it's not very clear uh, their crest. Uh, and sadly, uh, we don't have much info from that club because yeah. they were demolished in the 50s. And also we had a civil war in Lebanon uh, from 75 to the 90s. So um, how I got information about uh, Al Nahda and other clubs from that time is that I've read the newspapers from 1933 right. until 1950 
uh, day by day and then selected a few uh, dates that I know for the national team because I'm working on the archives of the national mm -hmm. team also uh, for tournaments or friendlies that I've known or and stuff like that. The plan is to continue reading the whole newspaper day by day since 1952 until 1975. But it needs a lot of time. And I did that in the COVID time, so I had no work. I used yeah. to work on the archives for 17 hours a day. No, I can't do that. I have love a it. job. No, no, absolutely love it. And I, I love your dedication to this. Like this, the, just to give you that, this is my dream job that you're talking about right now. It's absolutely <laughs> amazing. And, and 17 hours a day is incredible dedication. It's absolutely mm -hmm. amazing work. So I'm not being I'm not being lazy. I, I anybody who's wondering, uh, I literally could not find the uh, Alnada crest. If any of our listeners can do it, um, I mean, Rory, maybe we give them a a prize or something <laughs> if they yeah, can nice. find that 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 dream crest. It's like trying to find. Remember the Premier League stickers years ago, and you try to get that shiny the the Premier League shiny trophy that nobody could ever get, mm. uh, or that rare kind of Pokemon card or something like that. It's yeah. one of those things that I just I I, I remember covering this story and writing about it uh, and doing my research on it and I just could not find their crest anywhere it was just it, it kind of annoyed me a little bit but um, yeah it, it must be somewhere yeah uh, it's not just about the crest uh, we have a club called Sikka, okay which uh, it's a, a team for the company that used to run the port and the railways from Lebanon to Dimashk so the short name in French is DHP. We still don't know what's called for the DHP. What does that mean? Because we know DPHB, what does it mean in English? Mm. But in DHP, we don't know what it means. We're still searching for the meaning of the name until now. ASDBHP, is that the club? Yes. That's yeah, the yeah, they were the club that I actually looked at as well. Um, in fact, there, there, there's a few clubs now uh, uh, that I could have uh, picked. You know, um, obviously I picked Al Nahada because they're because the they're a first Lebanese club, so it was only right to kind of pick them. Um, in my research, there's about twelve clubs that I I see are uh, defunct from Lebanon. All very interesting, all very mysterious, and all kind of early, you know, that kind of fifties time. So not a lot to go on. Um, but as you said. Maybe if you know we put that little bit extra effort in the seventy hours reading through you know papers day by day, uh, we may uncover a lot more about these clubs. Yeah. I think the plan is to contact the family of the uh, players hmm. to try and see if they have any pictures, any uh, newspaper, anything that that can help us. So that's the plan for the long run, of course. Mm. Yeah. One thing that I, I wanted to ask, Marun, just kind of bringing things back to, to Almada a little bit. Um, obviously, for, for a long time, um, Lebanon was a, a French-administered colony, uh, and there was British involvement as well. What I, I was just wanted to know, just kind of, before, I, I wanted to touch on it now before later, did French and, and British colonialism and imperialism have an impact on the football clubs, or were the football clubs, uh, you know, something that gave people an escape? from the kind of colonial regime and, and everything that was going on there? Yeah, I hope you didn't ask that question because... <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, football in Lebanon is influenced by the British, by the French, and by the Germans. Okay. Yeah. 
uh, I know it's a bit uh, sticky topic to talk about the Germans in the 40s, but... <laughs> No, we've covered another episode. You're all right. The East, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but they played a major role. Uh, okay. Obviously, we were uh, a, a colony of uh, a, a French. We were under French ruling. So uh, we we have a lot of uh, teams that are uh, that started as uh, to have French players within, within them. Mm-hmm. Usually military uh, players, and uh, also we couldn't do anything unless uh, the French were approved it. So oh, yeah. uh, you can see by the picture that I'm gonna send you after the podcast that in every game you have the and I know I know what it's called in Arabic, but I don't know what's the position called in, in English. Uh, the one that he used to rule in effect, of his he was the president, but he wasn't president because he was French. So he he was the decision maker, mm-hmm. yeah. So sorry for the sound. So uh, 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 they were there. There was that influence within, also with the name of the clubs like Hikme. We call them the Sages because yep. Sages means wisdom means Hikme in Arabic. Yeah, same word. So uh, also we have many players from uh, Lebanese origin. Also we have. Uh, players in French from Lebanese origin, very few in the 40s. The British had their uh, military base here, so they had their teams. Uh, and the first match ever played in Lebanon was uh, British Army, uh, two uh, two teams of British Army playing together in Beirut. So, uh, yeah, they, they really influenced. What I was talking about the German is that the vice president of the Lebanese association called uh, Pierre Jmail, who was eventually the father of two Lebanese uh, uh, presidents in the 80s, Bashir and uh, Amin. Uh, he, he was the president of a phalangist club, uh, f- sorry, phalangist uh, party. Uh, that And he got the aspiration when he went to watch the Munich uh, Olympiad in 1936. He saw the uh, uh, discipline of uh, German uh, army and German organization. So he went back, he went here and wanted to organize football as it was in Germany and uh, how, and uh, his own political party in that uh, way. So that's how you can talk about the main influence of the clubs outside. Also, there's a point that we, we need to talk about that we had an intercontinental cup in the 30s called uh, Sharak Cup or uh, the Eastern Cup, which uh, constituted clubs coming from Palestine, which was a mandatory Palestine at the time. Uh, and yet before, where there was British there, uh, the uh, Lebanese and Syrian clubs, they played together in uh, in one weekend uh, to determine uh, the winner of the trophy. I think that uh, competition stayed for two or three years just before the war. Uh, also, we had uh, uh, people coming from the Arme- Armenia uh, playing here in Lebanon. Uh, they stayed here because after the uh, fall of the Ottoman Empire and what they did to them uh, there in Balkan area, so they fled here to Lebanon, Syria, and uh, and Haifa in Palestine. 
So uh, they uh, we had the tournament between the three clubs of Armenian heritage. It's called Homentmen. At that time, they played together in spring time to play competition, very similar to uh, what Silvio Pellisconi and Luigi Pellisconi trophies in in Milan, in Italy. So, uh, forty-five game, uh, forty-five minutes game. Mm. So yeah, that's the outside interference. Uh, yeah, yeah Al Nahare, it was interestingly, uh, their nickname was Le uh, Diablo Noir, which is obviously French for Black Devils, as I said. So you can obviously see straight away that there was a bit of French uh, influence um, there. Um, I mean, Lebanon is, is, is I suppose, one. Uh, don't want to be disrespectful, but it's one of this way, uh, me coming from Ireland, uh, is one of the smaller nations in regards to world football. Um they obviously aren't, aren't. There's no Champions League clubs for them. Uh, in the Asian Cup, um, how 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 do Lebanon, uh, how do Lebanese clubs get on in that? And uh, do they qualify regularly? Do they compete? Is there one club that actually does well in it? Uh, yeah. For now, uh, we have two regular seats in the FC Cup. We are, uh, we can have a seat or half a seat in the Champions League, but we don't have the qualified clubs to do that. Uh, they're not professional enough, if you want, in that sense. Okay. Uh, so we we are content with the AFC Cup. Uh, we've won only once the AFC Cup in uh, 2019 with Al-Ahad. But it wasn't, it wasn't always the case that we were playing the AFC Cup. In the 70s, we had a team that arrived to... Uh, Homentman, uh, who arrived to the final or uh, the semi-finals of the Champions League, but they retired because they were drawn against the Israeli team and they preferred not to play against them because of uh, the issue, political issue. And we used to play in the Champions League up until 2002 when there was the reform in the AFC and the regulations changed. So in the AFC Cup, no, we reached the final three times. We won it once. Two times we were listed in 2005 with Nishmi, 2008 with Safa, and we lost in the final. Mm. In 2019, it was one of the best single club campaign uh, in recent history for uh, international or continental competition. Uh, we They only conceded, like I think, five goals in the whole tournament. Uh, they had the best defense. Their goalkeeper uh, was voted as the best player of the competition. Uh, so it was a bit but, spectacular what they did. Yeah, I only ask that because obviously uh, there's going to be more attention now on the AFC Cup uh, because of Saudi Arabia and stuff uh, and all the footballers going over there. Um, I suppose we have to ask you, for, for countries like Lebanon and stuff like that that are so close to Saudi Arabia and going to be competing against clubs in the AFC, do you now feel that, that that trophy is now going to be even harder to win because of what Saudi Arabia are doing, uh, bringing in like the likes of Neymar, Ronaldo, all these kind of high-profile names? Or, or do you see it as kind of great now we get to see our players play against them in the AFC? Uh, it's going to be harder to win it because we're not going to be competing in it anymore okay. in the AFC Cup. We're going to get one singular uh, spot in the third competition not the second right. so the FC Cup is now the second and they change it to call it Champions League 2 or something right. like that yeah so uh, 
but obviously playing that against players that level it's gonna be uh, very tempting for us to see I mean I remember when Al Ahli uh, of Egypt came to play against Nijmi in the Arabian competition I was there the stadium was packed we're talking about uh, 50,000 and in the league we don't have that much so it's it was a huge uh, and we're talking about Ahli we're not talking about what Saudi clubs are having now yeah. Uh, more stars. Uh, 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 let's say, for example, we play against uh, Tifa and Steven Gerrard was coaching here in Beirut. Yeah. Uh, I bet I'm going to see you here. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You can see, yeah, I'm a big Liverpool fan. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. I mean, we're going to get on to the Lebanese League now in a minute and the clubs that compete in it and stuff like that. Uh, just one other question. Obviously, Saudi Arabian uh, Saudi Arabian League at the moment is is attracting the best players all over the world, mainly from the Premier League and stuff like that. Has there any Lebanon is quite close to Saudi Arabia? Is there many Lebanese players playing in the Saudi Arabian League? Not at that time. We have one in the women's league. Okay. At Al Hilal, she's called Dima Kasti. But in the men's teams, we don't have any Lebanese there. We're we're not yet at that level. We had one uh, uh, like close to 10 years ago. He played with uh, Al-Ittifaq, I think, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, mistaken. But uh, yeah, is uh, Saudi Arabia is on a whole another level. Even on Asian competition, they're very far ahead. Okay. So, yeah, we so I mean, it's a bit like, I suppose, England and Ireland. I mean, Irish football uh, is nowhere near, you know, English football um, at that level. Like England and Faroe Island. Okay. Well, I mean, Faroe Islands will probably give us a run for the money at the moment. Uh, so yeah. uh, it's it's not much of a difference. But uh, that's, that's interesting. I mean, because a lot of people, you know, look at Saudi Arabia. Obviously, Lebanon is quite close to Saudi Arabia um, and other countries. And I just I was just wondering if there was maybe a, a knock-on effect uh, to that, like has has it affected Lebanese football at all? Has it affected, uh, you know, football uh, supporters? Or was Lebanon always a football mad nation? Always had, uh, um, you know, a love for football. I suppose it would be the same, Phil, if someone said to us, "Has the founding of the Premier League had a knock-on yeah. effect on the SPFL?" And I would say. I mean, well, here in Ireland, Rory, so this oh. is what I'm getting at. Here in Ireland, when the Premier League kind of erupted, now don't get me wrong, everybody supported kind of English clubs before the Premier League, but when the Premier League came and Sky kind of blew it up in 1992, Irish League, League of Ireland took a hit and everybody started supporting more people, started supporting Liverpool and United here in Ireland. So I'm just wondering. Lebanon so close to Saudi Arabia, uh, Maroon. Is it is it a case that you know people maybe in Lebanon might start taking up supporting clubs in Saudi Arabia, or is that just an Irish English thing? No, no. Uh, obviously, the coverage of the Saudi league inside mm. of Lebanon, uh, the news of what the clubs are doing, the transfers, the uh, game by game. Uh, yeah, it's obviously it's. Uh, it affected us. We're now following the Saudi League, maybe casually, but we're following them. We didn't do that before Ronaldo came there. So after Ronaldo came, we were only following uh, Al Nasser. Now we're following all clubs. Mm. Okay. And I think it's the same in Europe, uh, but uh, here because same language and uh, uh, there's no barriers if you want. Uh, yeah. And uh, so, yeah. But if you want to talk about the football side, 
what Saudi is doing cannot be reflected in Lebanon. Uh, Lebanon has its own challenges of its own. It's very, very far behind what Saudi are now doing, but their aspiration and our aspiration are there. They're right. miles ahead. Well, we're, so we're going to we're gonna get on to that now. I just wanted to touch on that because what happened in Ireland in 1992 when England, Sky, you know, it kind of, I wanted to see if it was affecting, you know, countries like Lebanon around that kind of area. And as you said, it is, it is casually kind of happening. But look, it's also happening in Europe and in Ireland. And so people are watching the Saudi League. Um, let's get back to the Lebanese, the Lebanon League. Um, yeah, can I, if, it, if it's okay just to jump in quickly, I just wanted to ask Brun one last thing before we, we moved on from, from Almada. Obviously, they, they dissolved, was it the, the 90s? Um, the 80s or the 90s, they finally 1990, I think it was. 1990. Um, I don't want to put ideas in your head, Maroon, uh, but maybe it's an idea you already have. Maybe you want it as a passion project. If you could, would you bring Almada back? And if you did, um, how do you think they would fare? Because obviously it sounds like they're they're one of the most historic clubs in Lebanon, and they must have, you know, maybe drawn a bit of a loose comparison. It, it sounds quite similar to Third Lanark in Scotland. It sounds like they have quite a big his well, they may have quite a big historic following. Um, what do you think? Would you like to bring them back? Uh, I think it's a bit too late for that because uh, the club what what Al Nahda was in the in the 30s, 40s, and even the early 50s, uh, I didn't experience that. I don't know their values, how they were with their community, how uh, uh, what what they were doing, uh, how the players that were playing there affected their uh, their surrounding. So uh, for me to bring it, to bring them back right now is like me trying to get. Uh, uh, if you want the franchise of another, without really knowing the essence of another and just using the name, so I cannot replicate what they did back then. Right now, okay, obviously it's a big marketing stunt and everything like that, but I think to be respectful for what the people did back time, the players and uh, the administration, uh, rather leave it. Dead for now because you know we don't even know the crest. What I'm gonna bring back to the yeah. the black shirt. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. a that's a really good answer. I I agree with that. It's um it's a mark of respect, but I think you're spot on. And that you when you say that you you don't know what your their values were then, um what the fans' values were, how they behaved, what the club culture was like. I think that's something that's really really important. Absolutely nailed that answer. Yeah, um, I mean, be careful what you wish for, I suppose, is, is probably a great phrase there. But, um, yeah, look, uh, let's get back, let's get to current times, right? El Nada, first, uh, first Lebanese football club, uh, as you said, kind of pioneers of uh, Lebanese football. Um, now, let, we're fast forwarding to 2023. What is the state of the Lebanese league now? Who are the powerhouses? Who are the ones that are, you know, professional? Uh, and how many tiers are there? Uh, you know, how many leagues are in Lebanon? Uh, can you tell us a bit about Lebanese football right now? Yeah, uh, we have five divisions in Lebanon. Uh, the first and second division and third division are not based on uh, regional uh, surrounding of the clubs. The first division is divided uh, by four, the four, uh, if you want, uh, the provinces we have in Lebanon. 
we have uh, five provinces and the first division is only a part of uh, in Beirut. We don't have fifth division clubs outside of Beirut. Okay. So uh, uh, the league, the first division, uh, hasn't been won by any club outside of Greater Beirut. Uh, and uh, the the cup has only been won, won by clubs from outside of Beirut only three times. Tadam Sur in 2000, I think. Uh, Salem Zahar 2014, which is my uh, home club. And uh, 2015 by uh, AC Tripoli. So they, they, these are the three times that uh, we're just like Uruguay, if you want, in that sense, where the uh, uh, the football power are residing in Montevideo, uh, I think they're called the uh, capital. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and ours in, in Beirut. Uh, the powerhouse clubs are, uh, since the 90s, we have Ansar and Nijmi, the... Uh, yeah. If you want the antagonist between themselves. Recently, in the past 10 years, we had Al Ahd who yeah. came up on top. They were a club that up until the early 2000s were playing in the second division. They were very well run. Uh, and eventually, now they are the second or uh, most successful club in Lebanon in terms of league uh, wins. So uh, they have now, I think, uh, eight, and they're now aiming for the nine. So uh, yeah, that's uh, they are the main, uh, main clubs. We have Al Bolsh, who are recently came from second division in, in 2019. Now uh, they are stable uh, competitors for the league. Not quite there to bring it to the final stages, but they're they're always in top four, top five. Also, we have Shabab Seha with a similar project. They are also bringing it to be uh, very fun to watch. And just like if you want uh, Leicester or Tottenham or that kind of clubs, uh, Al Safa, which were the great in the 90s and they were good in the 2001, the league uh, in the early uh, 2010s, but they had a very slump and now they are. Uh, trying to get back on their feet, bringing the players from the Eredivisie, a coach from Eredivisie also. Uh, now they changed him to a Lebanese coach because of a familiar situation in his family. Yon De Jong is the name of the coach. But now they're trying to fight to bring to bring a project in for in the upcoming year or the year after it. They're going to play a fight for the championship. And they have a great uh, youth academy. They're winning almost every competition they're playing in right now. Yeah, so I mean, uh, I know of the two clubs you're talking about. Um, I mentioned in the book, Ansar and Akhead. The, the, there's, there's two other clubs that I want to talk to you about. Not, they're obviously they, they're still around. They play in lower leagues, um, but they were top clubs back then. Um, now, uh, pardon my pronunciation here, but uh, Hominemann, is that correct? Hamentman. Um, yeah, and then the other club t- sounds exactly like them. Hamentman men, I think, as well. Yeah, there's Hamentman and Hamentman. Yeah, yeah. So them two, them two clubs were quite big back in the day, and now they play. I think in the second division, do they? No, no, they're playing. Uh, Hamentman is in third, and Hamentman is in fourth. 
Okay, so what happened with them two? Because they were they were always kind of up there, and then suddenly, well, not suddenly, kind of a few years back, they went. Was it just uh, financial situations? They just kind of ran out of steam, or? Yeah, those two clubs are uh, powered by the Armenian political parties here in Lebanon. Mm. So Homendman uh, is for Tashnat, and Homendman is for uh, Hanshak. Uh, they are two main. They are. For anybody who's listening, uh, listening to us from Armenia, they know both of their parties because they're also they have their two parties there. So uh, they decided up in mid 2000s they decided to cut funding for uh, football, uh -huh. and they preferred to spend the funding uh, in education, which someone cannot argue with that. Mm -hmm. But yeah, we lost one, two of the best clubs we had. Uh, a recent history of Lebanon, uh, 10 leagues between the two of them, mm. and uh, great talents to come from uh, from there. And uh, yeah, legends, uh, you can say. Do they, the do they have a big following still, or has that declined with the decline of the two clubs? It has declined, but you know, every Armenian, uh, it's like a sect. So either you you are born a homemaking fan or you are born a homemaking fan, even if you don't go watch the games anymore and right. stuff like that. And also uh, their stadium, Bush Hamoud Stadium, got uh, partially de uh, demolished, and now we can we don't play games there. So that affected them also. They play outside of their home uh, uh, country, if you want, or okay. Yeah, I just want to ask you about them two clubs because obviously, obviously in my research they popped up an awful lot back in the day. Uh, they were up there competing with uh, Al Nahad. Uh, you you mentioned the club you support. Who do you support again? Salam Zarta. Okay. Um, how successful are they? I'll let you tell. I actually do know about them, uh, but I'll let you talk about them because they are your club. Uh, tell us a bit about them. Okay, uh, so Salam Zarta actually wasn't always in Zarta in my hometown. They were in Beirut, in uh, Ashrafi. So they were called Salam Ashrafi. They are the first club to win a major tournament for uh, held by the Lebanese. We won the second division in 1933. Uh, and uh, since then, we've been on and off playing in the league and outside the league and stuff like that. In 1971, uh, two businessmen from Zgarta bought the license and brought the club to Zgarta in 1974, uh, where we started to play. In the 90s, we're always... My, my hometown is a village, so it's not a city. Uh, we're, we're a village club, so uh, we don't have consistency in our results. Sometimes we're uh, fighting for the championship. The second year, we're fighting for relegation. So it's been uh, in that cyclone for uh, since the 90s. We have we had very good runs. Uh, we we are the club with most relegation and most promotion in the history of the league. So yeah, that's something to be proud of. We won the FA Cup uh, once, which was fabulous, and we we ended uh, season as second, I think, in 2016-17, which brought us. The opportunity to play in the Arabian Championship, we played against uh, Raja Casablanca. So I watched uh, Raja Casablanca, all the teams that beat Bayern Munich in 2013. Yeah, Imagine, 2013, that's a bit, they, of a, a bit of a glamour tie. 
Yeah, yeah. The, in 2013, they beat Bayern Munich. And in 2018, we're playing against them in our stadium that has 5,000 uh, fans only. So, yeah, it's uh, a bit imaginary. And, uh, of course, being uh, from Zahata, I was friends with the, with the players. So, I've been, I've known a bit of the insides. So, my friend missed a penalty uh, against them. He was the captain. So, uh, yeah, good, uh, not very good memories. No. But we got a draw at uh, Morocco, one-one draw against them, which was uh, yeah ecstatic. Mm -hmm. So I'm sorry, um, I I got mixed up, Maroon. I thought um I thought earlier on that you said that your your hometown club was uh, FC Tripoli, um or FC Tripoli. Apologies, um got that completely wrong. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, no, but one thing I did want to ask you about this is this is very very current. I can't believe I can't believe I'm asking you this because I was astounded when I heard it happening. What does the name Lee Erwin mean to you? Uh, bad investment. Yes. <laughs> uh, it's not yes. just. It's not because Lee Erwin isn't a good player. He's a great player, but the amount of money he's getting, I think, it's not now at this stage that foot, the Benes football is. I prefer to be spent in, uh, in another place. Obviously, Leo Irving uh, is a great player. He proved it last year when he came in in the second half of the season. He was the size of for the team to win the league. Uh, also, this season, he had a, a bit of a, a rough start, but now he's. Uh, I hope that he's going to uh, come back uh, very strong now that we have... The, yeah, he, he's one of the best foreign players to have, we have in the league. But yeah, uh, me, I wouldn't spend that money on, on someone of his profile. Mm. I just wanted to ask. Um, so Lee, Lee Erwin is from uh, a place called Bells Hill, which is about 20, 20, 30 minutes from where I stay. Um, he went to school with with a few friends of mine. Um, obviously years ago, he's he's twenty nine now. Uh, started his career at Motherwell. Um, went to Leeds United. And then he came back to play for Kilmarnock. Uh, he played for Tractor Sarge in Iran. He played for Ross County. Then he played for St Mirren. Somehow managed to get a move again. And then he was playing in Hakka in Finland. And obviously moved to Allied over in Lebanon. He's a bit of a joke figure over here in Scottish football because um, he was fucking terrible, to be completely honest. <laughs> um, but one of the first things I heard about him when he had moved to Lebanon is that he he would he'd started banging the goals in, which is good to hear because by all accounts he's a lovely guy, like a really really nice lad. Um, so it's good to see that he's he's enjoying life over there. It just you know you don't see many Scottish players going to like going to the the Lebanon leagues for whatever reason that may be. Um, so it always it makes me take a bit more interest when that happens. It's just you know it makes me keep an eye on them a little bit more. Um. You know, it's it's a bit it's an exotic place to go, a uh, beautiful country, beautiful place to live. Um, I just I want to know how how his agent managed to get that move. It's just all that kind of stuff interests me. But I'm I'm glad to hear that he's he's doing well and having a good time. Yeah, uh, it's not very hard to convince him to come when you offer him around seven hundred thousand for one year and a half. Yeah, well, there you go. <laughs> I would go. I bet you'd come here. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> I would go for less. <laughs> yeah, um, rumored figure that he was offered. Wow, it's insane. A lot of money, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, I can't think of any. I, I don't think there is any Irish player that has gone over to Lebanon. 
or even after. They had Terry Oras from Who? Wales. Terry Oras as the coach from Wales. Wales? Yeah, Terry Oras. He was one of the best Welsh uh, coaches. Okay. And I don't know how why he came to Lebanon, but he did. And we had one of the best uh, run for our country with him. We beat Ecuador 1-0. Uh, I think we draw with Czech Republic or we lost nearly with Czech Republic. Yeah, it was uh, fascinating for me. He was our coach from 95 until 97 or 98. Okay. I don't think I've ever heard of him. Uh, He is Welsh. Um, so I don't know. Maybe maybe we can ask some of our listeners or some some of our Welsh followers if they've ever heard of him. Uh, Rory, have you heard of him? Uh, not myself, but I don't know an awful lot about uh Welsh football or, or Welsh managers or, or anything outside that things. Probably a question for um a good friend Steve, who we done the the Welsh mm-hmm. feature with. So we'll certainly put that out on Twitter. Uh, one thing I did want to touch on the remote. We'll discuss the national team just before we finish up. Yeah. But um, what I wanted to ask was obviously at the start of the episode, as, as part of your job, you mentioned that um, you're involved in something really positive, and that's trying to build, you know, and grow football within Lebanon, uh, both in the women's team and that side of the game, and uh, just football in the country in general. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about your plans for that? Because I think it's a it's a really really positive thing. Um, I think it would be fantastic for the listeners to hear how you're doing that and and the different things you're putting in place to 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 achieve that because it's a Massive, massive undertaking, surely. So I'm gonna start with the women's side because it's the side that I'm most uh, passionate about because I see a yeah. potential there. So, uh, and the women's uh, women's football, we now, uh, if you want, the top two in the region, in the West Asian re- region. Now, Saudi Arabia are investing in their uh, women's game, so we we expect competition in the upcoming five to ten years from them. But for now, we are. One, uh, we're uh, top one or top two in West Asia, us and Jordan. In, in Asia, we're trying to bring the fight to the big house of uh, powerhouse of Japan, South Korea, North Korea, still uh, far and also Australia, obviously Vietnam and other countries. Uh, but in the, for example, the under 20s we're now in the top 10 in Asia. With uh, our FIFA ranking isn't representative of what we can what we have for example we are uh, in uh, 140 in the world in FIFA ranking but we beat uh, the 99th in the world Indonesia back in April 5-0 so uh, it's not representative of what we have in my opinion we're uh, top 80 top 70 in the world but we need to prove it okay so our job is to create the league or help develop the league to be competitive enough to produce players in order to be able to show really their talent, what they can do up on the international scale. Also, we have a lot of players going abroad. We have we had players who played in Denmark for HB Kobe. They played in the Champions League. We had players who played for Newcastle uh, before uh, the rise of women's football. I'm talking about 2013, 2014. We have players who play, who are playing now in in French first, second, and third division. So uh, and also players in USA. So uh, we're on uh, uh, we're evolving. We're trying to be able to provide everything we can, all the tools that we can for the players, in order for themselves to develop. 
and we're still remembering that our game in Lebanon is still amateurish, whether it was in the men or in the women. In the men's uh, side, what we are trying to do is try to uh, uh, connect with the players that we uh, that are playing abroad, because we have a very large diaspora coming from Lebanon. It's roughly estimated 14, uh, 40 millions or 14 million uh, people uh, born abroad, but it's a very rough and very uh, uh, hopeful estimation, in my opinion. Uh, so we're trying to get diaspora to know if we have players. We have we had many players uh, like Amin Yunus who played for uh, Germany in the Confederation Cup 2013. He's born from uh, a village right next to my village, but he, he chose to play with Germany. So we have a lot of other players we're trying to work on to bring to the national team in order to bring the level up. So uh, mainly th these are the two projects. Also, we have my own, my personal projects was at the archives. We still don't know for sure who is the top scorer of our national team. Wow. We're, we're trying to work on that. Yeah. Uh, in, within my work, I've found out about many, many games that we didn't know about. And I'm talking about the 90s, I'm not talking before the war, I mean, before the 70s. So, yeah, but what what I have done for now for the national team is that I have a complete set of games. I think I have a complete set of games. Uh, I have uh, all the assists of the national teams since 2006, which means all the current players that are now playing with the national team have a complete number of assists, uh, including our captain, Hassan Matou. I have a full list of uh, top scorers for the national team, except for eight for seven games. In that seven games, a player called Devon Altonian, who has now for sure 18 games, 18 goals, sorry. If he scored five goals in those seven games, which I I'm talking about 22 goals in that seven games, he would have uh, become the uh, all-time top scorer of the national team. So we're trying to work on that gap in order to find out. Women's uh, national team, I'm also doing the same. We have a complete... It's obviously easier because the game started in 2006, not like uh, women's football in 1940. So, yeah, that's uh, what I'm trying to do. And also, I have the statistics that I do for all the leagues. I mean, first, second division men. All the youth league, I do all the goal scorers. The youth leagues of the women's, I'm doing goal scorers and assists. And also, I'm doing the senior league uh, statistics uh, for like I do for the men's. So, yeah. Keep busy. Impressive. <laughs> yeah, a lot of work, a lot of work there. Very, yeah. very, very impressive. And it must be, it must be great. And it's going to be great once you finally have enough evidence to show who the top scorer is. I think it's, it, it's a fantastic end goal to be able to be the person who discovered that. It's amazing work, man. Really, really amazing. Um, yeah, unbelie unbelievable. Um, and I suppose uh, you, you talked about the, Le the Lebanon national team and stuff like that and, and how you feel that they, they probably should be higher in the rankings than they are represented at the moment. Um, there's two competitions that you are currently about to be starting. Uh, one is the World Cup qualifying, and I believe you're in a group with Australia and... Uh, Palestine, is that correct? Yes, and uh, one from the qualifiers, either Maldives or uh, 
with that, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah. So how do you think you'll fare there? Australia, obviously the big, big favourites in, in that. Um, how do you think uh, Lebanon will do in that one? I think the qualifying spot is going to be between us and Palestine. Okay. So the two uh, th- the two games between us and Palestine will decide which team will come first. I, I, I believe in our chances. Uh, I think uh, that uh, for this generation that we have right now, we, we're kind of in a transitional uh, period in our national team. We're trying to bring in the youth. Uh, so uh, many of our players will have the upcoming Asian Cup in January going to be their last so uh, they need uh, we we need that transition period but I think we can make it through to the next round and uh, finish second in the group because like you said finishing first is uh, kind of impossible with Australia with us in the team yeah, I mean, I'll say the, the big ones here. I mean, I, I'm just looking at Lebanon's form in the last five games. Uh, he's a 1-3, uh, drawn one, uh, and lost one. Now, in the game he's drew, he's actually lost some penalties to India. But we'll count it as a draw anyway because it wasn't at all. Um, he's beaten the likes of Bhutan, uh, India, Maldives. Uh, he's lost to Thailand away. Um, I mean, these are all kind of nations that you probably would play an awful lot. Um is is uh, your next game? You, the big game is the Palestine game in November. Uh, as you said, it's between you two, really, after Australia, who qualifies. But then is there also in the, the Asian Cup in a group with uh, China, Qatar, and Tajikistan? I don't know if I pronounced that right. Um, how do you think you'll do on that? Because obviously, Qatar. Who just hosted the World Cup and all? Uh, apparently, they have invested a lot in their in money into their football team and all. But yeah, I've seen the Republic of Ireland play guitar only in the last, I think, three four years, and we we disposed of them quite easily. Um, what what are your chances in in the Asian Cup? I'd assume China are the favourites in that group. Yeah, I think uh, a lot of pundits uh, here in Lebanon think that. Uh, we can do something within the group. Mm. I think that would be our aspiration, but realistically, I, I can't see I can't see us making the second uh, or the round of sixteen. Qatar, obviously, all the powerhouse, they're the host also. So, uh, don't be fooled by what they showed in the World Cup. They're still a very good team. Okay. Uh, uh, China are uh, a team that uh, fluctuates a lot, mm. so. Uh, we really don't know how they, but they're still a, a good footballing nation. Uh, uh, we're we've came obviously uh, third with Tajikistan. Tajikistan, uh, they are qualifying for the Asian Cup for the first time in their history. So uh, it's gonna be a tough. Uh, so I think uh, if we were able to bring something from the China game, whoa. We could have a chance, but uh, I really wouldn't bet my money on it. Okay. Uh, I mean, there's there's another question I want to ask you about in regards to international football in, in Asia. Um, I mean, it's huge. It, like, I have a map in front of me here, right? And now Europe has a lot of countries in it and stuff like that, obviously, as we know. But Europe is more condensed. Well. Yeah, exactly. And um, nobody can see us doing that. But we've we've crunched our hands together <laughs> to make it look like Europe is tiny. Uh, Asia is quite vast, right? It's 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 huge. Like, yeah, you, you, Lebanon all the way down to Australia. Uh, it's, it's it's huge. 
Um, I mean, and there's so many countries there that many people would probably say aren't, you know, powerhouses, if you like, aren't aren't big big footballing countries. And Asia has never really kind of gotten close to winning the World Cup. I think South Korea was was the closest, wasn't it, when they played in uh, the 2002 uh, World Cup. So overall, Asian football, what what would what do, what do you think about Asian football at the moment overall? Is, is it going to get stronger over the next few years? Saudi Arabia, obviously, maybe the ones that might pop out. But in saying that, they're just bringing a lot of superstar foreigners into the league. So I know they have a strong international team already. They beat Argentina, of course. Um, but other sides, other countries, because you know most of these countries are quite big and heavy populated. It's always, for example, it's always amazed me India, for example, who have one billion people. I've never like really competed. So, well, what's your what's your view on Asian football? Uh, obviously, Asian football is is on a rise right now. Mm. It's not just Saudi Arabia. Everywhere, almost every powerhouse country are doing their own kind of thing, trying to get uh, the best player that they can. Saudi Arabia are trying to do it by getting a very very competitive league. Also, it's a marketing for their country. Mm. Let's not forget that. Uh, Qatar have do it through Aspire, the academy that they, uh, they did in order to prepare for their team uh, participating in 2022 uh, World Cup. Uh, Australia are doing it, are doing it with their own system. Uh, Japan, also South Korea. And we've seen what Japan and South Korea can do with the players that they brought into Europe. Mm. Also now, and also Australia, now we're seeing more of them that, uh in Europe, so uh, yeah, we uh, you can see that there are many projects also with the smaller counties that you cannot also see their effect in, on the European scene, like Malaysia, Indonesia. Uh, and if you can do any report about one of these counties, it would be great because the mm. fans there are huge. Well, I, I, I only ask all this because my next book, I am going to be delving into these countries uh, and, and more into Asia. Uh, obviously, the first book was more European, kind of central, because obviously I'm from Ireland, Europe, and stuff like that. But I am going to delve into more Asian countries. That's why I'm asking you, uh, is the Asian Asian football on the rise? And when I talk to you there, it sounds like it is, which is an exciting time. I, I firmly believe the whole world, like Africa, Asia, South America, you know, football doesn't just belong to England and, and you know, Europe and stuff like that. Uh, that if, if Stronger footballing nations in these countries makes competitions like the World Cup and stuff like that even more fascinating and uh, I, I do really hope in my lifetime that a country from Asia does at least get to a final or at least you know it maybe even win it because I think um, it, it would just be exciting to see Africa as well uh, I'd, lo- I'd love to see uh, you know some, somebody different uh, kind of shake it up and, and come out of nowhere um, but um, I suppose the, the other question I want to ask and I, I, I kind of ask this to everybody else uh, obviously Lebanon, uh, you're you're from Lebanon. Who is Lebanon's biggest rivals? Like, who is the game that you like to, you know, that you get excited about an international game when, when you play it? What countries are big rivals? Like, Ireland's would be England, obviously. Uh, Scotland's would be nobody. Yeah, Scotland's yeah. friends with everybody as Rory will tell us. Scotland would also be England. Yeah, yeah, it would be England as well. I think everybody around here is just England. Uh, so, who would Lebanon's be? Who do you, who would you be, be your biggest rivals? Uh, our biggest rivals, obviously, it's one of our neighbors, either Palestine or Syria. Okay. Uh, 
obviously, but uh, yeah, we can have uh, games with Jordan also that have uh, fierce rivalry of our neighbors. But we have a picture with South Korea that have gotten a lot of uh, rivalry in the uh, uh, past season because we've met a lot. Uh, in every qualifier, uh, we had South Korea. I mean, even in 2014, we uh, we were in the same group in the second round. We qualified and we got this. Uh, we got together in the same group in the third round. So we faced them like I think in two years, uh, four times, which is huge at that time. That's so incorrect. It's, like, it's like Scotland's rivalry and I obviously put it in air quotes but it's similar to Scotland's rivalry with Israel because I think we've played Israel about maybe 10 or 11 times in the last 6 years or so and it just gets sick of the sight of them <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly exactly. and also we had uh, because we stole one game here in Lebanon in 2011 so uh, uh, we have like that and it's always a tough picture even if they had uh, the most uh, head and shoulders ahead of us, but the uh, the game versus South Korea isn't an easy game for South Korea and neither for Lebanon. So uh, yeah, I think if you want uh, a one spin-off rivalry for a short period of time, I'll choose South Korea. But for eternity, I think uh, Syria is. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I would never have picked out South Korea in a million years. If you had have said that to me, they would have been one of the last countries I would have thought that. Because, again, looking at the map, they're so far away from each other. It's yeah. it's it's quite uh, it's, it's quite amazing. But that's, that's brilliant. I, lo- I love Definitely that. Uh, Lebanon, yeah. South Korea would be a fixture that I'm going to definitely look out for um, now every time you are playing. Obviously, um, with, I think, is it the... The broadcast or the, the now broadcast all the, the KSL games in Europe is it uh, DAZN? DAZN or whatever they're called. Yeah. DAZN. yeah. Yes. Um, are games in Lebanon or the Lebanese Premier League games available on DAZN to watch in Europe as well? Is it anywhere else? The, 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 well, yeah. I'm, I'm talking mainly for, for people like myself and Phil and, and our listeners who are, who are going to be based in Europe because um, I'd quite like to watch a few fixtures if it's available to me over here. Uh, yeah, you can watch them uh, through FIFA Plus. It's a new platform created by FIFA in order to uh, broadcast uh, the lesser good leagues, if you want. Uh, there's also, uh, we used to uh, to broadcast our games through YouTube, uh, nice. our own uh, YouTube. Now we're doing just the second division on YouTube. Uh, the first division is on FIFA Plus. Even the women's league is on FIFA Plus. Also, we have a, a local TV that broadcasts the league called MTV Sports uh, or MTV. And they have a page on Facebook called MTV Sports that could... Uh, I know that you want to watch the Irwin playing. So I'm going to tell you about the next Alahad game in order for you to watch it. Yes. Okay. Right. I'm just... Uh, the listeners may be able to hear them. I'm just grabbing my pen and my paper so that I can take some notes here. Um <laughs> <laughs> just because so, I, I, obviously the, the last episode we've done the uh, the Georgian episode um, Luca was telling us they broadcast the games on YouTube and we've done the episode with Charlotte uh, on uh, Asian football um, kind of Far Eastern Asian football she said that loads of the Thai leagues stream it on YouTube so uh, I'm gathering, trying to get a small database together so that I can watch some um, some other leagues just out with well I mean the Scottish leagues the main one I watch but the Premier League the English Premier League is boring um, majority of European leagues are boring 
Um, I want some new countries to get football stuck into. The Scottish League's never boring. I love the Scottish Leagues. Yeah, because there's always a different winner every year, isn't it? <laughs> it's uh, it's still good fun. <laughs> of course it is. Um, I mean, uh, the last question on the international uh, kind of um, uh, thing is, do you think you will ever see Lebanon play in a World Cup? Yeah, through FIFA or EAFC, <laughs> no. <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah. That's pretty realistic. We're very far uh, behind. Uh, okay. Obviously, that's the uh, that's the dream. That's mm-hmm. what we're working on to get there. But uh, yeah, it needs a lot of time. It needs a lot of work. Of course, of course. Yeah, look, I mean, every nation, uh, uh, you know, you want to... I've been lucky enough to see Ireland play in one World Cup, uh, even though I've been alive for two of them. Uh, I just don't remember 94, and I was born the month after 1990. Uh, so mm-hmm. I've only ever seen Ireland once, really, in 2002. Uh, it probably feels like I'll never see it again uh, <laughs> at this moment in time because we are, are not very good. But uh, it is a special thing to see see your, your country um, uh, compete in a World Cup. Um, the last time for myself, yeah. technically I would have been two years old, but it would have been France 98, the last one Scotland was at, so I don't, really, I don't even remember it. I remember it. You are awful. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's because you're uh, a little older than me, Phil. I, I, I remember uh, Colin Henry's uh, long blonde hair. <laughs> now we're going back. Giving away your age, Phil, you can't be doing that. No, yeah, yeah. Poor, um, poor, poor, look, I, 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 well, look, we're, we're obviously going to be looking out for Lebanon's uh, results now because this is what we do when we talk to uh, people like yourself who tell us so many interesting facts uh, and stuff about countries, we, I tend to then go, right, I, I, we make a list and we start following, um, you know, them countries and, and them clubs of them countries and stuff like that. Um, and then we obviously share what we think about them. Because, you know, when I wrote for Forgotten Football Clubs uh, and I, I wanted to get a vast majority of different countries and stuff like that, Lebanon are one of those countries that many people said, why, why did you pick Lebanon? Um, and to be honest, they just stood out to me as a, as a country, kind of mysterious, uh, not a lot known about them, as you, as you may know, because you, that's your job. You're, you're kind of researching stuff, like even the fact that you said, you know, you don't even know who your national team striker is and stuff like that. There's a lot of things there that I suppose is, is what Forgotten Football Clubs is about, is about, you know, things that you know, have been kind of forgotten in history and stuff like that, that we can try recover. And Lebanon really epitomizes that. And I think Al Nahada uh, do as well because they nobody's seen their crest uh, yet. They were the first Lebanese football club. Uh, they were quite successful with five leagues and four cups. Um, and then obviously going bust in the 90s. But yet nobody has seen their crest. So they, they are one of the clubs for me that epitomize forgotten football clubs. And uh, Le- Lebanese football to me is quite intriguing. I'm gonna work on the crest thing for another just for you, and I'm oh, gonna share it. Oh. For you. <laughs> well, a guy, an absolute gentleman. Yeah. Um. Well, I think we've we've covered quite a lot this evening, actually, in, in sort of a quick fire episode. Obviously, as we said, um, it's, it's very late where you are, Maroon, but uh, now here in in Scotland, it is well past my bedtime, uh, and it is a school night, so uh, I need to be up bright and early for work tomorrow, as presumably we all do. No, no, no I'm. I'm off to Milan at five in the morning. Uh, yes. So, <laughs> so uh, you enjoy work, really. Um, no, Marun, um, we're, we're we're really really grateful for you coming on. We couldn't thank you enough, and it's been an absolute pleasure talking with you about the the work that you're doing within the Lebanese FA and the archives, your personal projects, um, 
obviously your your knowledge on Alnada is absolutely impeccable. Your support for your own team as well. You can obviously tell you're very passionate. Um, you live and breathe football in Lebanon, and it's it's absolutely amazing to see. We love speaking to people who are as passionate about the game as us. Um, and you know, for myself, it's always a bonus when they're into history and archives and things like that. So, uh, thank you very much for joining us tonight, Maroon. It's been an absolute pleasure. Is there anything that you want to say to our listeners just before we finish up for the evening? Yeah, I just want to thank you for what you're doing, not only for this episode uh, and for Lebanon. I mean, your project is something that I'm very interested in. Obviously, that I'm a searcher of archives of my own country. So uh, the project of yours is very interesting. And uh, I really uh, hope that you continue and uh, go on into all the uh, finish all the countries on the map in order to see what uh, what every uh, country has hidden in their history. So I really, I'm really thankful for this opportunity that I got to uh, chat with you for over an hour, a bit over an hour, about something that I'm very passionate about. So thank you for this opportunity, and hopefully we can do that again, whether yeah. on camera or off. I'd love to, absolutely. I'd, I'd love to, and I'd love to visit someday as well. Um, you can take me to a few games. Um, You're welcome. See what it's like, and maybe I can uh, see Lee Erwin in the flesh one last time. <laughs> Um, but that'll do us for tonight as always you can check us out on Instagram, Twitter, Spotify, Apple WordPress, YouTube and all the rest uh, you can just follow us by searching for Forgotten Football Clubs or Forgotten Clubs will come up either way uh, if you want to know anything about tonight's episode if you want to ask us any questions or if you want to suggest a club that we might want to look into or any other topic just feel free to get in touch with us Phil and I are, are always uh, monitoring the Twitter when we can um, so we can check in and we'll get back to you as soon as possible. But for now, Phil, if you want to say good night to our listeners, good night, everyone. Marin, good night, good everyone. Night. Thank you all. Perfect. And um, we'll see you all again next week. Goodbye. Bye.